two Bibles to Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. It's on page 599. We're beginning an Advent series entitled Our Glorious Savior Dealing with Christ. Looking at two passages in the Old Testament and then two in the New Actually, would like to begin reading with Isaiah chapter 39, verse 5, and then reading through Isaiah 40, verse 11. But hear the word of God, Isaiah 39, verse 5. This is the word of God. And then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord of hosts. Behold, the days are coming. When all that is in your house and that, and that which your fathers have stored up till this day shall be carried to Babylon, nothing shall be left, says the Lord. And some of your own sons who will come from you, whom you will father, shall be taken away, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. And then said Hezekiah to Isaiah, the word of the Lord that you have spoken is good. For he thought there will be peace and security in my days. And now Isaiah 40 verse 1. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry. And I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Get you up on a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Amen to this reading from God's holy and divinely inspired word. Uh, The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we, we thank you 
for every good gift that you send from above. We thank you most of all for sending your son Jesus. Lord, we thank you as well for forgiving to us your holy word, the Bible. Thank you for giving to us your Holy Spirit that enables us to understand and apply the truth of your word. And Father, open our eyes anew and afresh that we may indeed behold the glory of God in Christ. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Think of the last time that you encountered an inconsolable person. It might have been at a hospital emergency room. Could have been outside an intensive care unit. Maybe it was the visitation time at a funeral home. Or maybe you encountered a, a seemingly inconsolable person on the street who lacked the funds to buy that perfect Christmas gift. You know, it's hard to comfort the inconsolable. Uh, You feel at times like your comforting words or your compassionate gestures, you know, fail to address their unending sorrow and sobbing. You know, in Isaiah 40, and invite you to turn in your Bibles, keep your Bibles open there to Isaiah 40, page 599 of our Pew Bibles, you know, here uh, we begin the consolation portion of the Old Testament prophet Isaiah. Uh, it's most commentaries break Isaiah into two portions, uh, the first 39 chapters bondage to sin, and now this beautiful uh, promise of God's salvation in chapters 40 and following. And here, Isaiah 40, we read these opening verses of this, this new section of gospel hope, gracious comfort. But we read this morning the verses leading up to Isaiah 40. They are in Isaiah 39. You know, we we witness Israel's heartache as the brutal nation of Babylon was preparing to receive God's people into captivity. And King Hezekiah seemed uh, content with that. But now as Isaiah 40 opens... It's as if we've, and I quote from E.J. Young, it seems as if we've stepped out of the darkness of judgment into the light of salvation. You know, in this glorious chapter of God's word, we hear God's comforting promise of of help and hope for a brokenhearted people. You know, and here on this first Sunday of Advent 2018, you know, in every day of our lives, we daily need to receive and rest and rejoice in God's gracious promise of comfort for his struggling saints. And as we study these verses together, the the theme that, that unites these verses is this, that our God receives all the glory for his gracious comfort in Christ. 
Well, why should God receive all the glory? There's a comfort for sinners in the first two verses, a comfort for strugglers in verses 3 through 4, and then a comfort of salvation in that final verse. It begins with a comfort for sinners, a word of grace. You know, this charge is given to God's prophets uh, there in Isaiah 40, verse 1, Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people. It's the way it's written in the King James. You know, comfort, you know, that, that's not a word we use too often. Or if we do use it, it's in a, uh, a, in a shallow sense, you know, A synonym, another word we could insert here for comfort is that word console. God's design is to relieve the distress and sorrow of God's people. You know, to bring a real gospel hope to God's brokenhearted ones. To encourage them with God's gracious promises. You know, again, from uh, Dr. E.J. Young, he writes, as the subsequent chapters show, the following chapters here in Isaiah, true comfort consists in setting forth the entire truth concerning the people's tragic condition and in causing them to see God as their only hope. You know, that's a good place to be, you know, we're sensing our need of comfort. No, nothing else can comfort us. And God is our only hope. And yet he is our sure hope. Excuse me. You know, God's command to comfort is given to a group of God's spokespeople. That's the idea with the King James. Comfort ye. This is not just Isaiah It's given to all of God's spokespeople. I believe it's a command given to us as well. There's an urgency in this command. That's why it's repeated twice. It's God's charge to comfort my people, says your God. Here you can see the sovereignty of God at work. You know, God calls us my people. He is our God. You know, even today, God uses faithful Christians to speak his words, his promises of comfort to sinners. You know, with Isaiah 40, verse 1, ringing in your ears, hear this, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 3 and following. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ, we share abundantly in comfort too. Now, we're called to give God's word of gospel comfort, gracious comfort. And you know, lest we be overwhelmed by that 
holy calling, you know, remember that we can always find comfort in the truth that God himself graciously calls us to saving faith in Christ. Comfort in the truth that God graciously forgives the transgressions of a repentant sinner. Comfort in the truth that God graciously clothes us with the righteousness of Christ, calls us as sons and daughters. The world around us can only offer sinners the fleeting comfort of earthly pleasures. Or the false comfort of possessions. But it can never give sinners solid joys. There's a phrase from a hymn we sing. Solid joys and lasting pleasures none but Zion's children know. That's a charge to God's prophets. Comfort ye, comfort ye my people. And it sets the tone here uh, for the chapter and really for the rest of the book of Isaiah, that charge. But there, there's a content uh, to this gracious comfort. Look now at verse 2. Speak tenderly, speak kindly to Jerusalem. You remember Jerusalem is the city of David. Uh, the temple was located in Jerusalem, but now uh, Jerusalem is a sinful, stumbling blood-stained city in need of God's comfort. Speak to her, cry to her, call out to her. You know, there's an immediate need for these sinners to receive God's gracious words of hope. But God then gives them three grounds, gospel grounds for comfort. Look there at verse 2. You know, here we can see God's grace. Uh, The first ground for comfort is this. One, that her warfare is ended. The period of duress has come to an end. You know, the the afflictions suffered under a foreign power, their hard service, you know, by God's grace has come to the finish line. You know, it's pointing ahead. Not only to the end of captivity, return to the promised land, but it's pointing us ahead to Christ. Secondly, her iniquity is pardoned. You know, that's the second reason we can be comforted. You know, the reason for these real sorrows and struggles is sin, iniquity. You know, but now there's a sufficient sacrifice to atone for the iniquity that's been accepted by a holy God. Uh, you, you can see that gospel comfort throughout Isaiah. You know, But let me read again those words of assurance of pardon. You've already heard them once. They're worth hearing again. Isaiah chapter 53, uh, verses 5 and 6. You know, thinking of Christ, thinking of comfort, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. 
There's a third ground, though, for comfort. Then again, Isaiah 40, verse 2, warfare is ended, her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. I believe the best way of understanding that is not that we've received double punishment, not double wrath, but we've received God's double grace. God has judged the punishment to be sufficient and is ready to forgive. That's the footnote in the Reformation Study Bible. You know, we've received God's double grace, grace upon grace, more grace than we ever deserve, more grace than we will ever need. Our sins are great, but we've received God's double pardon for our sins. You know, the the picture of this is Hannah. If you go back to the beginning of 1 Samuel, Hannah is grieving, praying for a son. And what does her wise husband, godly husband do? You know, even as she is awaiting a son, he gives her a double portion of food. Not that she was that thin, need fattening up or anything, but just a a token of his great love for her. You know, how much more does God love us in Christ? You know, Lynn and I love listening to Christmas music. Traditional songs, Christmas hymns. A few years ago, I started getting hooked on Handel's Messiah. Amazing story behind the composing of Handel's Messiah. Did a little more study. The the words for Handel's Messiah, the oratorio, are, are, are basically words straight from the Bible. Taken from the original King James Version of the Bible. The opening portion of the Messiah... Encourage you to listen to it. You can find it YouTube everywhere. That opening portion of the Messiah comes from Isaiah chapter forty. You know the first three verses: "Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people." And then the second part is Isaiah forty verse four: "Every valley." And then the third portion, Isaiah 40, verse 5, and the glory, the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. You know, the first words of Handel's Messiah, first words of Isaiah 40, you know, are these words. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God. You know, may we always remember God's gracious comfort for us as sinners. You know, he, he graciously reassures us that that our warfare is ended. We're we're not at enmity, at strife with God any longer. He has reconciled us to himself through the shed blood of Christ. Our iniquity is pardoned. We have received from the Lord's hand double grace for all our sins. You know, our inconsolable world desperately needs the comfort that can only be found in Christ. You know, let us speak these gracious words of 
comfort. You know, even in this season of the year, a comfort for sinners. You know, God's grace, but there's a comfort, secondly, for struggling pilgrims there in uh, verses 3 and 4. And if these words sound familiar, uh, they should. Uh, you'll find these words in uh, some fashion in all four Gospels related to John the Baptist, Matthew chapter 3, Mark chapter 1, Luke chapter 3, John chapter 1. Remember, John the Baptist was the gospel herald of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, and here, this command is not only for John the Baptist, but for us as well. A voice, a command of God, a voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. You know, sometimes you can see different versions. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. You know, but here in the Old Testament, it, it reads as follows. A voice cries, semicolon in the ESV, in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. You know, what's the wilderness? You know, John the Baptist lived in the wilderness. A little rough looking with his dress, eating honey. We think of Israel's wilderness wanderings. They've begun studying Exodus in youth Sunday school. You know, think of Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. You know, may, maybe you've been through the wilderness. Maybe you're in the wilderness now. You know, waterless, uninhabited, unfertile. Without paths or homes, no sonics, no love's truck stops in the wilderness. You know, struggling saints. You know, and this word of comfort comes to those who are struggling in the wilderness. And what are God's commands? First of all, prepare ye. Again, it's second person plural command. Prepare ye. Clear the way of the Lord. You know, remove the rocks. Isaiah 62 verse 10. Go through, go through the gates. Prepare the way for the people. Build up, build up the highway. Clear it of stones. Lift up a signal over the peoples. I believe this verse is a verse used for civil engineers. Thought of you, Kenny, with this, others. You know, prepare the way for the Lord. But truly, it's a call to spiritual repentance. You know, this was the cry of John the Baptist. Luke chapter 3, verse (coughs) 9. Excuse me, Luke chapter 3. Beginning with verse 3. And he, that is John the Baptist, went into all the region around the Jordan proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet. And then you can read these words from Isaiah 40. And he said therefore to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers. 
who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Bear fruits in keeping with repentance. You know, prepare. You know, that's where it begins. You know, as we're preparing for the Lord, it's coming to him with repentant hearts. Knowing that we are those sinners standing in need of his grace in Christ. Prepare, but then secondly, make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Think of this in in spiritual terms. You know, to prepare by repentance, to make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. There's a verse in Proverbs that speaks of the highway of the upright, the highway of our hearts. You know, we're making ourselves ready for the coming of Christ. We're repenting of our sins. We're showing the fruits of repentance in our walk of faith with Christ. You know, it's God's compassion to call to his children to get ready for Christ, not only for the first coming of Christ, But I believe there's a call there for for us to be ready for the return of Christ. Or to be ready for that day when Christ calls us home uh, to be with him. You know, think of all the preparations for Christmas. You know, and they're good things. You know, baking, cooking, cleaning, decorating, shopping. You know, I know many of you are already worn out. You know, yet God calls out to us in his word while we're struggling in the desert. You know, make clear. Make straight the way of the Lord. You know, but the Lord not only gives us those commands, but hear God's comfort in verse 4. You know, this voice is still calling out to struggling pilgrims in the wilderness. Every valley shall be lifted up. Every mountain and hill be made low. You know, think of it this way. You know, when you're driving down a a new highway or a highway that's in construction, you know, what what do those wise engineers try to do? They, They try to lift up the low spots, build bridges or fill them in, and then they try to level out the mountains so that it is an easy, safe road to travel on. You know, and here God is saying, every valley shall be lifted up. Think of Psalm 23, verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Every mountain and hill be made low. That's a good thing. Yes, we have Mount Sinai, Mount of Transfiguration. But when you read through Pilgrim's Progress, refreshing my mind, there's a hill difficulty that Christian reaches. There's a spring at the bottom, but it's steep and high, and the only way he can get up this hill is crawling on his hands and his knees, and then later on, He reads from his scroll, falls asleep, leaves his scroll, his Bible behind, and and all sorts of chaos and troubles ensue after that. You know, 
But here God tells us, you know, he comforts us. Every valley shall be lifted up. Every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level. That can also be read the crooked made straight. The rough places a plain. New American Standard puts it this way, the rugged terrain, a broad valley. So here it will be smooth sailing for us as followers of Christ. Alec Motier captures it this way in his commendable commentary on Isaiah. And I quote, The Lord's road is to be straight, level, and free of obstacles. He, that is the Christian, will arrive without fail, travel without difficulty, and be undelayed by hindrances. You know, back in high school, I had a church youth director who loved the musical Godspell. I'm probably dating myself, 1971. Godspell is the, is the old English word for gospel, the good news of salvation. And uh, we listened to the LP record. Yeah, I'll show you a picture. And uh, about wore the eight-track tapes out of Godspell. Uh, but then we saw a live production of this musical. And the opening song of Godspell is taken from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3. There's a blowing of the shofar, the ram's horn. And then the singer, soloist, starts off very slowly with a somber tone, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. In fact, in that one song, it's repeated at least a dozen times. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. You know, and at the end of the song, though, it increases tempo and joy. The audience joins in. You know, it turns into a song of celebration. You know, here in these opening verses of of Isaiah 40, we hear, first, of God's promise, comfort in Christ, his comfort for sinners, his comfort for struggling sinners, struggling saints, we might say, those ascending the hill difficulty, stumbling through the valley of the shadow of death. And God, God calls us to prepare the way. You know, and how do we prepare the way real quickly? You know, we prize the gospel in our own hearts. You know, is my heart prepared for the Lord? Secondly, we proclaim the gospel to struggling Christians all around us. We ought never to grow tired of the gospel. It ought always to be good news to our hearts to struggling Christians as well as to sin-hardened unbelievers. We all need the comfort of Christ. And finally, be prepared for the day of the Lord, the day of Christ's return. Be prepared for that day when Christ calls us home. So comfort 
for sinners, comfort for struggling pilgrims. Finally and quickly here, uh, verse 5 of Isaiah 40, there's the comfort of salvation. You know, in many ways, this is the climax uh, of the chapter and of this section. You know, the clouds seem to depart, the choir sings, cause for rejoicing. <coughs> and there's a glorious certainty there. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. It does not say the glory of the Lord might could be revealed. Or there is a 50% chance that the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed. You can bank on that. It will be revealed. It will be uncovered. Every eye shall see that glory of the Lord, that gracious revelation of glory. We've talked about glory before, God's royal splendor, his holy radiance, his awesome resplendency. Uh, we behold God's glory in Christ. John 1.14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have beheld his glory. Glorious of the only begotten, full of grace and truth. You know, consider the three disciples who beheld Christ's glory there on the Mount of Transfiguration. So the first glorious certainty, the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. Second certainty, all flesh shall see it together. All flesh. John Calvin writes, he means that there will be no nations that do not see clearly that the return of the people is a heavenly work and that God did not speak in vain by the prophet. I believe it's pointing us to that truth that people from all tribes, all languages, all nations, all races, all cultural groups shall see the glory of Christ at his return. And there will only be two responses to Christ's glory. Woe for the unrepentant, for those not ready for Christ's return. Those who have still have sin-hardened hearts. It will be a sad day. But the second response is worship by the redeemed. Singing of the glory of the Lord. Casting their crowns before him. You know, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Especially of the believers. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. You know, our closing hymn, not there yet, but after communion. Another Christmas hymn. God rest ye merry gentlemen. Just a a footnote there. It's not only for the men. Gentlemen, you know, those who are gentle because of their faith and trust in Christ. I believe it's for all Christians, male, female, young, old, rich, poor, educated, uneducated. You can see again there's a comma, God rest ye merry, meaning 
God keep you, God preserve you in his joy. Those who know and trust in Jesus. Let me real quickly read that first verse in the refrain. God rest ye merry, Christians. Let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. And then the refrain, O tidings of comfort and joy. Comfort and joy. O tidings of comfort and joy. There is no other comfort apart from Christ. There is no other joy. But there is comfort. There is hope. There is salvation, gracious comfort in Christ. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you for the comfort that you give to us by grace through faith in Christ, giving us as well your comforter, your Holy Spirit, comfort of the promises of your word. And I pray, Father, that all those today, who have heard these verses of Scripture, these gospel truths, would know that gospel, gracious comfort in Christ. In whose name we pray, amen.